Well, good morning, Willow Park Church. Welcome to Church Online this week. We are so glad that you are joining us. A little bit different this morning, coming from the studio. And uh, we're just so grateful that you have decided to join us, whether you're watching at 9 a.m. or the 11 a.m. or at some point in the future on our many different uh, avenues that you can watch this then uh, we're all about Jesus and we're looking forward to worshiping together, sharing some communion together, and also then listening to a new start of a new series called Power Up, a study in the Holy Spirit. I know Pastor Phil and myself are looking forward to sharing a little bit later on. So uh, I'm going to pray and I'm going to hand over to my lovely wife, Sarah, and the equally lovely Curtis, and they're going to lead you in some amazing worship. Why don't we close our eyes and commit our time to the Lord just as we settle into focusing on him and praising him now. Dear Lord, we're thankful that we can gather like this in these strange times, but knowing, Lord, you're in complete control. You are on your throne. And Lord, I thank you that you know the beginning to the end. And so we can just uh, be secure in the knowledge that you are still at work. You are not finished with your church. And uh, We're thankful, Lord, that we can gather like this as a church using this amazing technology. And so, Father, as we just focus on you right now, we pray that as we worship, as we place our attention upon you, that you will be blessed. Holy Spirit, we're thankful that you are here, ready to minister and to comfort, to teach, give revelation and inspiration. And uh, and Lord, we just hand over our time to you with expectant hearts, uh, looking forward to hearing what you have to say and how you're going to minister. We ask all these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We'll uh, hand over to Curtis and Sarah, and uh, I will speak to you really soon. Hello, and welcome to Church Online. So happy to be here with my fellow worship leader, Sarah, and with all of you gathered here online and uh, joined by the Holy Spirit. We're just so pleased to to worship with you. And a special shout out, I'm the senior adult pastor at Willow Park, so a special shout out to all my fellow seniors there. And I thought we'd start with a a classic from uh, our hymn sings. And uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can join together like this. I thank you for the creativity you put in our hearts, that you inspire the hearts of men and women to, to write songs like this. And the voices you give us to lift to you. We thank you for this time. We ask that you bless it and bless this service in Jesus' name. Just a closer walk with Thee Granted Jesus is my plea Daily walking close to Thee Let it be strong Jesus keep me from all wrong I'll be satisfied as long as I walk let me walk close to thee just a closer walk with is my plea Daily walking close to Thee Let it be Dear Lord, let it be Through this world of toils and snares If I falter, Lord, who cares? Who with me my burden shares? None but Thee, dear Lord, none but Thee. Just a closer walk with Thee. 
granted Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to Thee, let it be. Time for me will be no more. Guide me gently, safely on to thy kingdom shore, to thy shore. Just a closer walk with thee. Jesus is my plea, daily walking close to Thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be, let it be. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship Your sun comes up it's a new day dawning it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing when the the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never Sing like never before Oh my 
sovereign and we thank you so much that you are unchanging in changing times you are the rock we can lean on you are all the beauty of the world out of nothing you created everything lay things at your feet, Lord. All those things that burden us, all those things that trouble us, they're not really ours to carry. I confess I'm sorry I even tried. We give them to you, the sovereign Lord.
righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God. You're my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Thank you, Lord. We need you and you are there. We give you the rest of this day. Bless the rest of this service. Bless us all as we go through this rest of the day and the rest of the week and the times ahead of us. Knowing that, yeah, we need you and yeah, you are always there. You are mighty, you are holy, you are great, you are everything and we love you. Jesus, thank you. Jesus' name, amen. Enjoy the rest of the service. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us today. What a beautiful time of worship together. I love that song. Um, Some would say it's an old song now, Lord, I Need You. Um, But it's really just such a reflection of where we are at as Christians and what we believe in, that we cannot do life without Jesus, but we can't fix ourselves. We can't do what we need to do in order to feel fulfilled and forgiven and the comfort that he brings. And so now is a wonderful time, it's such a great launching point, that song, to consider Lord's Supper or communion. And so I hope that you've been able to get some wine or some juice and some bread. Uh, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians in, uh, 11 in just a second. But this passage uh, from Isaiah 42 is, uh, is going to be something that we, uh, that we look at in our sermon later on. And it's Isaiah the prophet pointing uh, towards Jesus coming back. And uh, it says, I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. And this is Isaiah speaking about Jesus, the Messiah, coming in power. And it speaks to his humility, his sacrifice. And, uh, and he, Jesus himself said, nobody takes my life from me. I give it up myself. He willingly sacrificed himself for our sin, for all those who believe in him, the Bible says, can be forgiven and enjoy eternal life and all the promises that this life can bring as a spirit-filled life. So as we come now, I'm going to read... 1 Corinthians 11, and I'm going to keep it very simple because it's a time of reflection and personal confession and prayer. And, uh, and as we read it, I just want you to close your eyes and then I will pray and we'll take the bread and the juice together. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread together and let's pray and then we'll partake together as a church family. Lord Jesus, thank you that this bread represents your body, your body broken for us. Lord, the promise of forgiveness, the promise, Lord, of rescue, redemption, that Lord, as we've just read, you willingly went to the cross but filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You gave up your life for all those who believe so that we can have wonderful forgiveness and closeness and relationship with the Father. And so, Lord, as we come now and we recognize the sacrifice that you gave, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would just impress upon each one of us again the enormity of your love for us, that you chose us and you willingly went to the cross for us. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Let's take the bread together.
Paul continues in the same way. Also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together and then we will take the cup together. Lord Jesus, thank you for what this cup represents. This new covenant you said, that Lord, you are the sacrifice of sacrifices. Lord, we've moved from that old covenant of having to make animal sacrifices to cover our sins to you, Jesus. The writer of Hebrews said, you are our high priest and you ended all that sacrifice. Because by your death and by your sacrifice, that Lord, you took the punishment that I truly deserve. Thank you just seems to be so small a word to say in comparison to the enormity of what you did. So Lord, I pray now as we take this cup together as a church family, that Lord, you would just, by your spirit, remind us once again, Lord, of that cosmic conflict, that, that change of heart, that new creation that you bring. Lord, we're just so, so grateful. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So let's take the cup together. So thank you, Lord, again for the good news that, Lord, as church family, we can do this together because, Lord Jesus, you went before us and gave your life for us. So, Father, as we just think now as to the rest of our time together, we pray a blessing upon it. Lord, I pray you would speak to us really clearly through your word. Thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing in this church. We pray for all the other churches that are gathering in this way around the city right now. Pray blessing on them as well. Thank you, Lord, that you, as I have already prayed, are not finished with your local church. And uh, we're just so grateful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So now I'm going to hand over to Courtney and she's going to take you through some of the exciting things that are happening in the church right now. As we keep saying, we are not in maintenance mode through COVID. We're very much on mission and, and, and I, I can say with absolute confidence the team at Willow Park Church is constantly at work looking for creative ways to share the gospel. And really that's because of your continued generosity. Thank you for uh, continuing to give. You can give right now um, if you choose to do so. And we're just, we're just praying that the Lord will speak to you about what that looks like. In the New Testament, it's really clear that we should give generously, cheerfully, regularly. It should pinch. Um, and so we know that that is the testimony of so many of you as you continue to give to your local church. So thank you. Um, I'm, I'm humbled. I, I get to work with the numbers on a day-to-day basis. I'm humbled by your uh, amazing, you're just such an incredible church family. So thank you for that. So over to Courtney. And then uh, after Courtney, Pastor Phil will be sharing and I will be sharing uh, this amazing new series, Power Up, uh, about the work and the theology of the Holy Spirit. God bless. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us today. Here is your family news. Our in-person youth programs are happening again this week in the Cahoots Lounge. Grades 9 to 12 join us on Wednesday night, and grades 6 to 8 join us on Thursday night. Pre-registration is required for the Cahoots Lounge, and you can get all the details at cahoots.ca. We have some exciting news to share for all of our kids. We are now offering in-person kids' church at 10.30 every Sunday morning at both our Rutland and our Mission locations. We are also making a change to kids' church online. We are now live streaming at 8.30 a.m. only. But, as always, you can watch kids' church on demand anytime on our website, Facebook, or YouTube. Please save the date for our financial meeting happening May 26th at 7 p.m., and our all-church meeting happening May 27th at 7 p.m. Both of these meetings will be happening online using Zoom. Watch our website and your email box for more information coming soon. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Thank you.
Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the first part in our new series, Power Up, a Study of the Holy Spirit. And I'm excited to be getting into this study over the next few weeks, and we're praying and believing that you will get a lot out of it, and you'll learn a lot. But more than that, it'll actually become something that will change your life. Um, Let me ask you a question before we get into the scripture. What is that one thing that you're really passionate about, that you love talking to people about, um, but they may not be that passionate You know, they start getting a bit disinterested. Their eyes start glazing over. They start thinking about what they had for breakfast. And, you know, and you can just kind of get a sense, yeah, they're not with me. But you keep going at it because you're really passionate. For me, I got a lot of different things. Like those of you who know me well, you know it's Manchester United. I could happily talk to, at someone about Manchester United because I gain so much joy out of it. And they might be completely uninterested, and but because they kind of like me, and, and maybe they love me, they, they just kind of, yeah, great, and they just keep going. What is that thing for you? For many Christians, it may come as a shock to you, but other people have that response when they find out you're a Christian. So I wonder if you've ever been in a place where you've been sat with a co-worker or a friend or a neighbor or even one of your family members and you start talking about Jesus and, and they just kind of glaze over. It's like they're just not interested. It's not that they're hostile. It's just that, you know, they kind of got this a apathyism going on, which is a new term and it's been used quite a lot, that people aren't necessarily atheists. They just don't care enough to be interested. It's like, I don't dislike your God. I don't hate your God. I, I just don't care enough about it. Even saying that is, is hard for me because I'm so passionate about Jesus and his church and his life changing. How is it that somebody can't be interested in something that has such eternal consequence. You have to think about it, surely. Isn't it crazy just to dismiss it just because? And that's how I think, and that's how a lot of you think. And I'm sure you've had conversations with people where you just kind of go, this just doesn't seem to be going anywhere. They're not hostile. They're interested in you, but they're not interested in the God that maybe you are really enthusiastic about. So why is it that we have that in our culture? We do have people who hate Christianity, but for the most part, I think we'll find that most people just, it's irrelevant. So what do we do about that? And why is that happening? Well, very quickly, uh, sociologists would tell us, and, and, and Christian scholars who have thought this through, is they would say, well, our secular society has just kind of gotten affluent and comfortable and and insulated that God just falls off the radar it's just not something people really think about Uh, the other one which is really telling is technology because people are so connected in now that they don't have time or they don't make time to actually sit and reflect they don't have quiet time they've got phone time or they've got binge watching time on Netflix or they've got game that we we fear stillness because in the stillness we actually ourselves are revealed to ourselves and so people don't do that so they never come to the point where they even think about spirituality or God or Jesus and so this this idea that really they don't rely on God for anything so they're just uninterested so we we battle against that as a church we battle against that as Christians because we're so passionate about it and it can be quite challenging and frustrating and so historically what churches have done and even what Christians have done is they they look for new methods so they look for new programs or or worse we do what we've been doing more but louder and more enthusiastically Um, and that doesn't seem to work as well so what is it that that we do in this culture where Christianity seems to get lost in the myriad of other spirituality. There's more spirituality than you can shake a stick at. In fact, by the end of this sermon, shaking a stick at something might even be a new spirituality along with crystals and anything else that you can shake a stick at. Uh, Because there's so much out there that people just get decision paralysis. It's like, well, you know, why Christianity? They just don't care. So what's God's answer to this? Because if our answer is not working, then surely the next thing is to ask, well, what's God's plan in all this? It certainly isn't doing what we've always been doing, but just louder and harder. 
It's actually summed up in this, this incredible verse you find in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4. This is Paul speaking. Arguably genius, certainly incredibly culturally aware, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He said, my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. If there was ever a person who could write a fantastic book about the why of God, it would be Paul. And he's like, that doesn't work. I came in demonstration, and look at these words, of spirit and of power. Of spirit and of power. So here's what God's answer is. And so some of you are going to love what I'm about to say. You're going to get so excited. You're going to jump up. You're going to do a little kind of uh, Pentecostal jig. You might speak in tongues a little bit. You'll throw your hands up in the air and you're like, yes. Others of you will be like, oh, you'll get a bit squinty-eyed and suspicious. You'll be like, have we made the right choice? I'm not sure where this is going. You've got your pen and your email poised to email uh, Pastor Glenn at, uh, at uh, T. Uh, L. Thomas at Shaw.ca, uh, Lyndon. And, and so you're ready because what I'm about to say is going gonna, is gonna to shake you a little bit. You're going to see at the end of this series that God's answer is as being more charismatic. God's answer is for us to be more charismatic. Okay, let's take a breath. The charismatics, the, the denominationally, have uh, have a high view of the Bible. That's what they would say. We we have a high view of the Bible, and their emphasis would be on spiritual gifts, on power gifts, on being filled with the Spirit, being baptized in the Spirit. That's what the answer is. And let's be honest, some of the theology that comes out of the charismatic church, some of the teaching can be a little mile wide and an inch, maybe a millimeter thick. It's not necessarily the greatest. And then on the other side, we have the other group. And so these are kind of polarized. And I know you've got a lot in between. You've got the doctrine only. It's like the word of God. And, you know, that's what the emphasis should be. And so you kind of got this spirit and you've got this truth emphasis. The challenge with both of those polarized views when it comes to the Bible and the Holy Spirit is actually it's more of we have a high view of most of the Bible, the Bible that we we prefer. Whereas what does the Bible actually say about the Holy Spirit? Well, it says that the answer is to come in demonstration of spirit and power. Now, some of you have had poor experiences. Some of you have poor experiences in Reformed churches. Some of you have been brought up and maybe you've kind of deconstructed your faith and now you're just not sure about what you believe when it comes to Jesus. And, you know, you've left aside a lot of the traditions of your family. Maybe it's a quite a strict religion, fundamental, conservative, whatever it might be. There's others of you who have had poor experiences in more charismatic churches. And we as a church, beautifully, it seems like we have everybody, mostly the in-betweens of those two groups. And I'm so grateful to be a pastor in a church like that. But we have a high view of the Bible. So we have a responsibility to find out what God says. And so when I say that God wants us to be more charismatic, what I actually mean is that, the, that God wants us to operate in the powerful gifts of the Spirit, just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians. Because charismata literally means gifts of grace. So we need to operate in these gifts of grace, the Holy Spirit. So there shouldn't be a polarization. It should be spirit and truth. And if we're going to... Uh, see genuine change in our society, we then we, we really need to emphasize and focus on this. If you have deconstructed your faith or you're at the de-church, you've walked away from the church or you're just thinking through Christianity, there is true transformation to be found uh, through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And last week, excuse me, I talked about... Um, I talked about this process that you can find in the Bible and in history where it, the culture starts in a crisis. We're in a crisis. We are in a crisis uh, culturally. There's just, gosh, I, and I have spoken about this so much that I, we can't really argue and debate over that. We are in a crisis. And then biblically and even historically, the people of God then start seeking God out of desperation, and that's a good thing. And then... 
Biblically and historically, there seems to be this visitation from God. So biblically, that could be tongues of fire. It could be a shake in the room. It could be whole communities coming to know Jesus. And then there's this habitation, the people of God, with the Spirit of God in them going into their community and seeing massive transformation. So friends, the way that we get to transformation is not by method and program. It's by the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do today, and I'm going to do it pretty quick, is I'm just going to give you a survey through the Old Testament of who the Holy Spirit is. And then I'm going to show you how Jesus operated by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he told us to do the same. And then next week, what I'm going to look at is the more on the ground, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do in our lives? So that's, that's where we're going. So if you've got your Bibles and your journals, then uh, try and keep up. There's going to be some scripture references and maybe you want to come back to it and rewatch it and make some notes. But what you're going to see is in the Old Testament, it's very much about visitation. So right at the beginning in Genesis 1, verse 1 to 2, you can see here that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was right there at the beginning and creating. And you see this pattern in the Old Testament that there's a visitation and there's a creation. Uh, And so you'll see people like prophets and kings and people and nations being transformed. The Holy Spirit brings something new, empowers people for a season. It's really, really significant. I love the way that Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. This Holy Spirit power is a power of new beginnings. And he says in Psalm 51, God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. I mean, how many of us need a Genesis week in the chaos of my life? I, I need, how many of we need a Genesis minute within the chaos of my life? That's what the Holy Spirit does. All through the Old Testament, it's like these, he brings new life, new creation. And then as you move through the Old Testament, you see an increasing prophetic call that this Genesis shaping, new creation, Holy Spirit is going to become less about visitation and more about habitation. And so, for example, in Joel, it says it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Oh God, let this be the case. Even in the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit so there was this message coming through the prophets that God was going to by his Holy Spirit by sorry by the Holy Spirit was going to become less of visitation and more of a habitation and this is really exciting because what this means is is the Holy Spirit will fill us change us transform us live in us and hard hearts are softened and so again in Ezekiel you can see this I will sprinkle clean waters on you um, and, and will clean you from all your uncleanliness. And then look, verse 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And then he goes on, I will give you a heart of flesh instead of your heart of stone. So let me encourage you for a second. There may be someone in your life who is uninterested, doesn't care, maybe even hates God and everything that you stand in. Can I tell you that there's a promise in the scripture that says that God through the Holy Spirit can actually soften hard hearts. And many of you have got a testimony of that for yourself in your life. Don't forget that in your prayer life when you're praying for people who have got a hard heart. But what you're seeing here is this prophetic um, looking to the future in the Old Testament that something different is coming. That this, this spirit is going to know me and change me and empower me and change lives, transform lives. So remember there's the crisis, there's the seeking, there's the visitation, there's the habitation. This is what these scriptures are pointing to. But not only that, the Old, Old Testament prophets didn't only just say, hey, this is coming. They gave us clarity on how it was coming. In Isaiah 42, behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen. Who is this that he's talking about, Isaiah? Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. In whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. So straight away, in reference to Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, the Holy Spirit is upon him. We're going to look at that again in a second. That's really really significant and so there's a calling forth that there's going to be a habitation and the how that habitation is going to happen is through Jesus Christ 
So what's really exciting about this is as a Christian, through believing in the death and resurrection of Jesus, you get filled with this same spirit. And then Paul says, don't just rely on that one filling, but be filled, be being filled, continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So then the prophets waited. 400 years they waited and it was silence. Nothing happened. They waited for this Messiah. And then came Mary, beautiful Mary. This young teenage girl at the Protestant church has done a, a sad job of sidelining through fear of doing what we would see is uh, heresy in, in worshiping Mary. Mary was never there to be worshipped, but she also was not there to be ignored. This amazing young lady who had a love and a passion for God was chosen by God to give birth to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. But when the angel came, he says something really interesting. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. These are really important words. In fact, it's a very special word study to do. If you look at the scripture, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, how many references there is to overshadowing or hovering. That's why the dove and the baptism of Jesus. Uh, I'd love to get into that more. But this overshadowing by the Holy Spirit. This word power is dynamis. It's a powerful word. Where we get our word dynamite from. Mary, you are going to be overshadowed. People are going to look at you and see dynamis power. And why? Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. The Holy Spirit filled John the Baptist when he was still in the womb. But the Holy Spirit initiated this new beginning, this new creation. This one called the Son of God, Emmanuel. This is Genesis language. And so what we have here is a really important doctrine that is so, so vital for us to just very briefly talk about. And, and it's the doctrine that, that, talks, uh, that teaches around Jesus emptying himself, Philippians 2 talk says, that Jesus is, is very God, I read this in an article this morning, and very man who operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you read Philippians 2, it talks about how Jesus emptied himself. And, and what it means is, is that he limited himself in certain divine power. And so he came to earth able to experience what it was like to live on this planet as a living, breathing, feeling human being. And yet he operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. We know this because all the way through Luke especially, Luke seems to go out of his way to make this a mega theme that Jesus Christ operated through the Holy Spirit. It's all the way through. And we also know that Jesus operated by the Holy Spirit. That he wasn't omniscient and omnipresent and, and all these other major attributes. He kind of laid them aside, limited them if you like. And operate in the Holy Spirit to show us what was possible to operate in the Holy Spirit as, as a human. So he grew in favor and wisdom. Why would God, who was unlimited in power, grow in wisdom and favor in Luke chapter 2? And then in Matthew 24, Jesus himself says, I don't know the hour or the day that I will return. Why would he not know if he was like had all his divine attributes in full glory on earth. And so there's this Philippians 2 laying aside, emptying, and he relied on the Holy Spirit. And we can see it all through Luke. So his miracles, the healing, the prophecy, the forgiveness of sin, the resistance of sin is all Jesus operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can look at his life. He was baptized. Holy Spirit descends upon him. This is my son in whom I am well pleased, my beloved son. And then he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He's upheld by the Spirit in the wilderness. He's then led by the Spirit out of the wilderness and into the temple, into the synagogue. And then in the synagogue, Jesus himself reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why would the Spirit of the Lord God be upon him? If he didn't need it because he hadn't laid aside some of his attributes. Now I'm very careful in my wording. He is fully God and fully man. And in his divine wisdom laid aside, Philippians 2, emptied himself of some of, some of these divine attributes. So it's a heresy to say that Jesus wasn't God. He was God, absolutely. But he limited himself and relied on the spirit of God. 
Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives. This is all as a result of him being operating and, and the, Lord, the spirit of the Lord being upon him. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. So, let's just take a breath. Right from the beginning, we've got the Holy Spirit who comes and visits, empowers, points towards a new thing. The new thing is the Holy Spirit coming to habitate, to, to be part of, to dwell in. By whom? Through the Jesus Christ, dying on the cross and making this accessible to us. Because here's the important thing. This promise, like we saw in Joel, is for you and me. It's for us. Jesus takes it even further. He says, greater things will you do. Don't, don't skip across that. Think about what Jesus did. And then think about his promise that you and I will see and do greater things. Now, there's some debate over what those greater things are. But if you drill down into it, if you look at what Jesus' life was like, anything that's greater is amazing. So when you walk into a room filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, filled, you are conscious of His presence. When you walk into the room, you walk in with the same power that was in and working through Jesus. And yet He said, Greater. He goes further than that and He says, It's actually better that He go. His disciples would have been horrified at this. He said, It's actually to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, we're going to study this scripture more next week, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who's him? The Holy Spirit. So this is a promise that we really need to ponder. And I wish I had more time to dig into it. That Jesus came, lived a life that we are unable to live without him. In all his purity and all his beautiful teaching and his moral acts and generosity and seeking justice and all these amazing things. He lived that life. Then he went to the cross. And the cross is everything for us as Christians. Jesus Christ died on the cross redeeming us from our sins. Rescuing us from our sins. Dying in our place so that we could have life in him. So we could actually have the Holy Spirit dwell in us. Our sins forgiven. That the wrath of God against our sin that he is justly uh, seeks punishment for was placed upon Jesus, died with Jesus, and in Jesus rising again means that I could partake in that life. And what is that life? That life more abundantly is living with the helper, the Holy Spirit in me and in you. This is an amazing promise. So all that happened on the cross didn't terminate in and on itself. It actually opens the door for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit who empowers and brings the presence of God. And that, friends, is what turns an uninterested, hostile person into interested demonstration of spirit and power. And what we do is we rely on our own power. We rely on our own skill. We rely on our own apologetics or our own marketing skill. Or maybe we don't mention the name of Jesus. We don't want to be too forceful. We don't want to do this. We should do this. You should stop that. We should do more. And it gets overwhelming. Whereas what actually should be the case is we should be living life in the spirit. Walking a life worthy of the spirit. The calling we have been given is what the scripture says. And so you remember last week I talked about a sailing analogy that that we've been created to have our lives filled with the Holy Spirit in demonstration of power. And yet like a sailing boat without a sail, I mean, it's very nice enjoying the promises. It's very nice floating around the middle of the lake, but that's not what you were designed for. And we get caught up with the comfort. We get caught up. And what actually happens is we end up drifting and, and, and beaching ourselves and getting into trouble. What life is actually about is living, breathing, functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit and being representatives of Jesus in our world because the Holy Spirit, as we'll see next week, is all about making much of Jesus. So the Spirit of God in me and in you takes on the world that is hostile and uninterested. So the answer to an indifferent indifferent family member or neighbor or work colleague whoever it might be, is not some cute answer or getting the gospel right. What it actually is is spirit-filled Christians. 
that you and I put in time aside to seek him and to plead and ask to be filled. So there's some debate, can you be refilled and you, you're filled by the Spirit when you first become a Christian? Absolutely. But there's such a strong teaching that this filling needs to be ongoing. Paul himself said, continually be filled. Don't be drunk literally, but be drunk and filled, consumed by the Holy Spirit. So Spirit-filled Christians is the key. Very simply, I can, I can really sum this whole message up by saying this. If Jesus operated and was filled and was guided by the Holy Spirit, how much must we need that? Because look at what, as we, we bring this to an end, look at what the scripture says in how we get more of the Holy Spirit. If you then, this is Jesus talking, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This scripture is often used in, in getting just stuff out of God in prayer, but actually the context is Holy Spirit. So I have two questions. Two questions for you to ponder. And maybe discuss if you're in families or in groups. Two questions. First question is this. If we are not relying on this Holy Spirit, if we're not operating in the power and the Spirit, then what is it that we are relying on for our power? What is it that we're depending on? Are we depending on the same things that everyone else in our culture is depending on? What are we depending on to bring us forgiveness? What are we depending on to deal with those dark echoes in our lives that no amount of counseling or self-medication seems to be dealing with? What are we relying on to overcome those habits? What are we relying on to get wisdom and insight? What are we relying on in order to feel belonging and comfort, to feel loved, to feel chosen, to... To, to be able to communicate forgiveness. That person in your life who wronged you, what are you relying on to empower you to actually genuinely forgive them? Because anything in our culture hasn't got the power to actually enable you to follow through with any of those things. Some of you, and I've certainly been in parts of times of my life where this has been the case, are so reliant on something outside of ourselves or someone outside of ourselves to fill a gap in our lives um, that, that if that person disappoints or walks away or changes in some way, then we're devastated. It creates anxiety. That's not the way we're meant to live. See, our sails are meant to be filled by the Holy Spirit who brings wisdom and insight and comfort and love and companionship and, and, and forgiveness and, and the ability to forgive and healing and miracles and demonstration of power. All that is a promise, Christian friend, for you and your family. Remember what Joel said, your sons and daughters, it's for you. And we've been told a lie that somehow the Holy Spirit is dangerous, unpredictable, and we shouldn't have anything to do with him because you might end up as one of those crazy charismatics. That is a lie. The Holy Spirit is what turns an uninterested world into Bible-believing, Jesus-focused people. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moving and working through and around us and above us. So I encourage you to lay aside any experience or history that you might have that might have tainted your view of the Holy Spirit. Because it is such a desperate shame at best, a sin at worst, to sideline the Holy Spirit because we have decided that actually it seems a bit scary. How much better to become a church that is unmistakable in its power because we are not worshipping the Holy Spirit but worshipping Jesus who the Holy Spirit points to but also seeking a constant and regular filling in him because that is the instruction that we have here. So which leads me to the second question. First question is, what is it we're relying on to overcome and to have power in our lives? And secondly, how do we ask? Well, we just ask the Father. It's so simple. And not only that, it says, how much more? So we can actually come, and we're going to do it in just a second. We'll come to him, and we ask him humbly to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Like Paul instructed, to be being continually be filled by the Holy Spirit. Let's seek, not so that it terminates on the gifts and on the Holy Spirit, so that we can make much of Jesus. 
so we can make much of him. And in by doing so, people will actually come to know Jesus as they see him in our lives through the Holy Spirit. So let me say this just to finish off. One of the most challenging things that our world has when it comes to Christianity is they have tremendous respect for Jesus the teacher. He was a good man. Most people would say that. Most educated, reasoned people would go, Jesus was a good man, good teacher, did amazing things, moral. And then there's this disconnect, there's a gap between what Jesus experienced, what Jesus stood for, what Jesus brought and continues to bring, and what we as Christians often find ourselves in. There's a disconnect. We rely on different things than than Jesus relied on, and there's this gap. And so people find that hard to overcome because they look at our lives and look at the life of Jesus and they go, well, what happened there? It's a difference. See, the Holy Spirit fills that gap. Not methods, programs, better way of doing things, yelling a lot, making angry comments on Facebook. That doesn't fill the gap. That doesn't, you can't argue somebody into heaven. The Holy Spirit, by demonstration of power, fills that gap. And it makes us an unmistakable church. And that's our prayer. That's why we pray. That's why we focus on being filled with the Holy Spirit because we want to make much of Jesus. And Jesus changes lives, transforms lives. So why don't you join me in just taking a couple of minutes now to quiet ourselves before the Lord and to humbly ask him to fill us, to forgive us for the way perhaps we have treated Holy Spirit because he can be grieved. We're going to see that next week. He can withdraw He can get angry and uh, just treating him like some force is, is just wholly inappropriate. And for many people, we need to ask for forgiveness for that. But let's ask him to fill us, fill our minds with the joy and the glory of Jesus and all that Jesus did on the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, that through your death and sacrifice on the cross and then your life, your resurrection life, that, Lord, that we can partake. Your word says that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Lord, we can live the life like you lived it. And, Lord, the promise that you gave us that is to our advantage, that you would go away so that we could have the Holy Spirit Oh God, I pray you would forgive us for the way that we have treated you. That God, that we have sidelined and been critical. And Lord, I pray now, my brothers and sisters and everybody who can hear my voice, that Lord, that you would fill us. That Lord, like that instruction says, that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit. And that Lord, that this scripture, that God, we are humbly asking you, Holy Father, to fill That like David, that Lord, from head to toe, that the Holy Spirit rushed upon him. That Lord, that you would rush upon your people. Come Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray, even as I speak now, that there'll be people in their front rooms or driving a car or wherever it might be that they're listening. That Father, they would just sense your presence and be filled. There would be a habitation and a transformation in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining me this week in new surroundings. I hope you like this. This has actually been really enjoyable to communicate like this. I like doing things different. Next week, uh, we'll be jumping into this kind of part two of who the Holy Spirit is. We've got church on lawn. We've got all sorts of different things going on in the life of the church. Alpha is continuing. It's going so beautifully well. So grateful for all the leaders. And... Uh, and my prayer for you this week, oh, and we've got Kids Church as well. That was actually happening uh, this morning. So please pray for that at the South. Excited about that. And, uh, but my prayer for you this week is that you will set time aside to humbly seek the Father. Ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you would make much of Jesus in your life and that the uninterested would become interested because you shine, literally shine with the presence of Jesus. God bless.